Welcome to Eastlake. We are an inclusive faith community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, seeking to live out a more just and life-giving spirituality in the modern world. We see faith as less about doctrines and dogmas demanding total agreement, but a life to be lived, enjoyed, and given away to others. What unites us is a growing awareness that life is a gift and love is the point. We welcome the entire human family, regardless of race, age, creed, physical abilities, marital or economic status, gender identity, or sexual orientation. So if you are curious and have come to see, if you are tired and have come to rest, if you are grateful and have come to share, if you are journeying and have come to grow, if you are wounded and have come to heal, if you are joyful and have come to shine, welcome home. Today, we hear from Bart Campolo as he continues our series, The Way I See It. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We're excited that you're jumping into this series that we've been in called The Way I See It. And I'm here today with my friend, Christian Birchnall. And very excited to have our guest, Bart Campolo, doing a follow-up to his talk that he shared last week. Bart, thanks for joining the conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to see faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you mentioned that in your talk, so we're so glad that, uh, well, first of all, thanks for giving your talk and for recording that for us. I'm glad that we get to at least have, if it's not in person, it's digital interaction, um, pretend <laughs> interaction, right? That's better than nothing. But um, before we kind of just dive in a little bit to your talk, uh, I'd love to just hear a little bit of an update on what you're up to in the world and what's keeping you busy. Well, golly, um, the first time I came to Eastlake, I think I came up from Los Angeles when I was the humanist chaplain at USC. And since that time, I had moved back to Cincinnati because my wife couldn't stand Los Angeles. And, um, and, I, I, and I spent some time working on the campus of UC, again, as a humanist chaplain. But now, eventually I figured out, like, you couldn't make, like, couldn't make a living. Um, yeah. The thing about ministry is it, it, it only works if you have a, a tithe-paying congregation. Right. To right. We, 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 we humanists don't have those types of things. So, uh, so anyway, the long and the short of it is, my wife was like, you've got to get a job. So I ended, up, I ended up going back to school and becoming a licensed professional counselor. And so I, like... Here in Cincinnati, I'm like Joe local counselor, um, but I still have my, my podcast. And so I also end up coaching people all over the world who are going through sort of religious transitions. And then, right. I, and then I podcast, which is kind of like the one place where I have like something, like where I still believe I have some small platform or like I'm, I'm engaged in, my life was used to be a very big life. Now it's very small, like, um, but I do a lot of stuff. But the other thing is, my granddaughter and my, my daughter, my son-in-law, my granddaughter, they live around the block from me now in Cincinnati. Awesome. And so mainly I just, I play guys. <laughs> That's fun. Awesome. And have tea parties. <laughs> tea parties with, with grandkids. That sounds like a blast. That's awesome. 
So. Uh, well, thanks for, for kind of giving us that update. And before we even jump in, what's your podcast name? Just so people can follow along. People oh, yeah. Uh, East Lakers that are, are not following that can start, start it's subscribing. Called humanize, it's called Humanize Me. And, uh, and, and, and I do, and like, it's, it's funny. Like, it's, it, it really is just me having conversations with people that are doing all sorts of really interesting things around the world and sort of asking what, like, basically sort of asking the question, like, what can I learn from what you're doing and from what you're learning that I can apply to making the most of this life? It's um, awesome. Which is kind of the, the mission here. Yeah, it's great. And even I think there's probably some East Lakers who maybe even haven't heard you share at all, right? Because we have people that are, a lot of people are just tuning in via our podcast too. Some don't even really watch the video. So uh, I'm curious, like for those that maybe don't even have context on the Bart Campolo experience, you don't probably, we, we could spend the, the next like two hours like going through all of that and we don't need to or, or we should. But um, in terms of like how you describe your world, you humanize me, right? A humanist perspective. What are some of the kind of main like principles of that kind of perspective? I mean, I mean, the first thing that probably people will notice is like, gosh, that guy talks like a youth pastor. And, um, and there's a reason <laughs> for that. Like, like, like half of you East Lakers, I grew up in kind of evangelical Christianity. My dad was a big evangelical leader. I ultimately became like an inner city missionary and a guy who gave, ran around giving platform speeches. So like I, I came at it with that sensibility. About 10 years ago, I finally came to the end of my supernatural credulity, my ability to believe in stuff. And, um, and then you're like, oh crap, I'm like a minister who loves people and wants to build community and rescue people from sadness, but I don't believe in God anymore, so what do you do now? Uh, not a dilemma you would know anything about people. Um, or Chris. Um, so in the end, like through a long circuitous way, I ended up as the humanist chaplain at USC. And it was there that I figured out the answer to your question. Because we used to put up these lines out on the thing that says, are you a humanist? And kids would come by and go like, I don't know. What's a humanist? And I realized like it was one of those cool words that like everybody's heard, but nobody really knows what it means. So you can define it any way you want to. <laughs> nice. And my friends and I ended up defining it as somebody who is deeply committed to building loving relationships and to making things better for other people and to cultivating kind of wonder and gratitude for just the privilege of being alive, but like for, for consciousness itself, for just the ability to like move your hands and like feel things and taste things and fall in love. And, and, and who, who comes to that and, and, and sort of goes like, I wanna pursue those things because I think that's the best way to make the most of this brief period of consciousness that I have, rather than because like, I'm gonna get something for it, I'm gonna go somewhere, or I'm gonna live on forever. It's just like, that's the best, that's the, that's the way I can maximize this opportunity. So humanism is just the thing that says, hey, this human experience, including the part like where like, I know I'm gonna die, but I'm not dead yet, so I have to think about that. Like, like what's interesting is I, humanism is in a sense like I'm really committed to the human experience and to making the most of the human experience, if that makes any sense. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. Hey Eastlake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. 
If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. I find that perspective so helpful and it's like so optimistic or actually maybe that's the wrong term. Optimistic seems to be the term that like you're only looking for the good, but maybe meaningful is a better term. Like it just feels like a very meaningful perspective on the human experience. I have a friend who always says I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. Mm. Um, and I think that like <laughs> one of the things about being secular is once you get rid of all the kind of uh, the texts and the, those things, you're, in, you're left with kind of like science. Like, how do you know what's going on? You're like, I don't know. what's the data say? Like, you know what? Like, you know, what are the experimentation show? And like, according to the data, there's not a lot of reason to be optimistic. Um, you know, like even, even if you blew off the short-term stuff, like in the end, the sun is a star, stars explode. Uh, they blow up everything around them. And, and like, like everything that you're building, everything that you do, everything that matters to you will ultimately be wiped out. Like that goes without saying. Like, so there's no reason for like long-term optimism. Or in our case, as a human species, even short-term optimism. But hope, you know, hope is not just like, it's all going to be okay. Hope is this sense that like in the midst of these circumstances, something I do might make a difference. Mm. Like, like I might be able to slow it down by 10 minutes so that some other person will get to fall in love. I might be able to, to connect with three more people than I would have if I hadn't have done this exercise program and because of that those people's lives will be significantly better so like hope says hey we can make meaning we can make more meaning we can make love we can make more love in the midst of this so it's not like i know it's i know it's all going to turn out okay it's then like it could be better than it is right now if i maybe participate maybe yeah. if i participate so mm -hmm. like so i i think of myself as somebody who's you know Hugely hopeful and not optimistic at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great jumping off point for the conversation too. What are you thinking, Kristen? Um, I'm thinking we had, my husband and I had this conversation last night about a variety of things that you talked about in this message um, before I listened to it. So, I'm just thinking about, we were just talking about like, what is there to be hopeful about? Um, and my husband's kind of a doomsday, like. Oh yeah, I'm a collapsarian from way back. Oh yeah, so, and I, so we were having this conversation where I was like, I understand that's how you view the world that gives me anxiety and makes me not like to like live in the day. And so we were having this conversation of like, what can we be hopeful about? Cause I can't listen to you talk about like, where are we going to escape to when things get really bad? <laughs> and we talked about like, it really is just like the, our kids and what we do at the end of the day together and our neighbors and our friends. And like, this is what we're living for right now. And is that good enough for you? Cause it's good enough for me to just be like, can we make meaning for our two little kids and the friends that we're invested in, you know, the five families that we spend time with right now. So that was our conversation last night. When, when my wife and I were younger, we lived in Philadelphia and we had friends there who had adopted a kid 
who was bound to die before she turned 15. Mm-hmm. Like she had certain kinds of medical complications. She was like, she, they got her as a very young child and she was going to die. And they knew that and the whole family knew that. And she did die. Um, and the equation of their life was, you say, well, well, why bother sending her to school? She's never going to college. But that's not the only reason you send a kid to school. Yeah. And why bother working on homework? Like they were committed to giving her a life um, that might not have been as long as everybody else's life, but that was was rich and full of love and connection. Well, on some level, the difference between 15 years and 85 years on the cosmic scale is not not that great. Mm -hmm. So the question is, if I told you that you and your children all be dead in five years would you keep loving them would you try to would would you play tea party or or whatever you know like what would you would you go to a ball game would you laugh would you tell them jokes would you tickle them and it'd be like i sure hope so <laughs> yeah. because that's the deal everybody you know is gonna die like when on the day you die you don't just die the whole universe, as far as you are concerned, goes away. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth the price of admission to keep living in the midst of it. And so, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I can go down this collapsarian track and like, it does inform some of my like, decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, if anything, when I believed that we had eternity, I wasn't terrifically motivated to make the most of each moment because I had an infinite amount of them. What makes these moments precious mm-hmm. is precisely the fact that they are rare. And, yeah, uh, scarcity. Yeah, scarcity. And so, like, let's not kid ourselves. You know, um, one of the, you know, I mean, I've been in a lot of hospital beds when people were dying. All of a sudden, they were doing business. They were forgiving people. They were telling <laughs> people they loved them for the first time. They were uh, confessing things. (laughs) All sorts of beautiful stuff happens. And you go like, you know what? Everybody's on their deathbed every morning. They just don't know it. (laughs) And so on some level, I think like the destruction of optimism, which is for me, like, like losing the belief in heaven and like eternal, you know, you go like, that was a really optimistic thought. Everything's going to be great. We're all going to live forever in, in utopia. Like, and, and, no, and everybody will be happy and nobody will be sad ever again. There'll be no conflict. Like, you know, barring the fact that like every good experience you have is born out of some kind of conflict. Like, barring, barring the fact, that, right, right, like forgetting the fact that like you've never seen a fictional account of heaven that looked like anything other than a nightmare. Um, you know, like, but like when you took away that optimism, Everything's going to be okay. That, for me, was the beginning of taking this life seriously and of measuring it as as infinitely valuable. And I would say that, like, the destruction of my optimism was the beginning of my hope. Hmm. And the beginning of my, like, like, I I just became much more passionate about the connect. And, and, And again, speaking to what we talked, what I talked about in that, like, midnight darkly lit room that I was talking to you in when I gave the talk like you know that was when I really realized like you know it's all about connection like it's for me like the only thing that sort of redeems this 
this thing is the connection mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. to make connections and to foster connections for people that don't have them, which kind of brings me back to what we were talking about in the talk talk. Yeah. I'm not sure we need to say anything else, Kristen. I feel like <laughs> I'm gonna, you got me crying. You got me thinking I need to do more tea parties. Like, why am I, why am I, why am I doing a tea party right now? Bart? Maybe we should just end the discussion. <laughs> I did a tea party yesterday with my daughter. A tea party serving ketchup, by the way. Mm, that was that's, a, that's a child mm-hmm. delicatessen, right? That's yep. the key. <laughs> but we did it. We did it yesterday. <laughs> I look at your house behind you, Kristen, and I go like, that's, there's, th- these are people that, are thoughtful like the, you know i can i can just tell by like <laughs> the things that are hanging and the way the photographs are arranged like these are people like in tolstoy's maxim all happy families are the same like i just look and i go like I, I i think that's probably a happy family just the way that woman's talking and the stuff that she's got hanging i go like but you and i are both aware that there are loads and loads of people that did not have the luck to grow up in a house like that, or they have not been able to create one, or they thought they had one and it blew up. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's where, you know, if you want to see like my voice get gravelly and, and, and me get tough, it's I go like, you know what? It is not enough to have tea parties. Yeah. Um, at some point you have to get you have to you have, you have to get in the boat and go start cruising around looking for people that are floating in the water and bring them back in. Yeah. I, um, the thing that stood out to me the most, the sentence that you said in your message was, if there were more good friends out there, I'd be out of business. And I, had, I stopped it and um, I just had to think about that because, you know, we're hearing, I appreciate that right now, there's more and more awareness about mental health and it's okay to not be okay. And that the need for therapists is booming. You know, it's like the, it's like the one, yeah, it's the one industry that is just exponentially growing right now from what I've heard. And so I just sat there and I thought, gosh, how many of my friends are going to a therapist to talk about things that I could ask them about on you know, on a walk. And so I, I think I just appreciated you bringing that up and um, I'm just really full of thoughts about where can I do this better and with whom and how, and what questions am I not asking and why am I talking about, I just, I'm going, it's full. My head is full. And so I'm thankful for what you said. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times in the last 25 years, even before I became a therapist, um, I would have a college student, you know, I'd just be, you know, have a lunch with, and he's got a new girlfriend. And they would go like, so how's it going in the relationship? And he'd be like, pretty good, she's great. But like, like, what do you like about her? No one's ever asked me that. And I go like, well, I'm asking. And I go like, and sometimes there would be great answers there. And sometimes we would go, like, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. She'll have me. And I'm like, is that a good enough reason? Or sometimes somebody would be taking a job. And I would say, like, other than the money. I mean, do you believe, like, like, your boss. I remember asking this one kid. I said, like, so you went and you interviewed and you got offered this job for $100,000 coming out of college. 
And I said, yeah, what do you think of the guys that you're working with? Like the, the, the other people that are you? like, did you, do you like their marriages? Did it sound like they have the kind of friendships you want to have? Like, like, are they the kind of person you want to be? And you know what he said to me? I have no idea. Yeah. I never asked. And I was like, you're getting on a train and you don't want to know where it's going. Like, cause like you, this job leads to that job leads to that job. Like you're going to end up that guy. So like, do you like him? Do you like that guy? Yeah. And they had never thought about it. And, and I remember the kid looking at me like, nobody's ever asked me this question. Like, that is not, that is not a compliment to my incredible insight. <laughs> that means that kid's parents are asleep on the job. And so it's, and so it's his favorite professor. And so is his high school soccer coach. Like, come on now. And so at some point, that's what we need to challenge ourselves to go like, you know, what should I be, what should we be talking about? What, 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 like your friend gets a new boyfriend, gets a new girlfriend. You, like, what's going on in there? Mm-hmm. What, what attracts you to them? What do you think they like about you? It's a really good question. I think too, I was more, I was thinking too, like I'm really out of practice because of COVID. I just had a year and a half break from having to talk to anyone. It kind of was like we, first of all, we were isolated and then I felt like I was just in survival mode, you know, of just like get through, um, yeah, get through it. And now I feel like I'm my social stamina. I'm way out of practice. Okay. So let's, Stop. I want to reframe that. You're not out of practice. Okay. What okay. you are is you've been, you, we, we've wiped the slate clean and you have a fresh, you, you get to recreate yourself as a social being. Hmm. Like you get to go back to the drawing board and go like, you know what? Like, like, like I had a friend whose house burned down and they built Sorry. the same house on the same property. But like when they built the same house, they did fix that stupid wall that was between the bath and tub. And the, like they, 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 based on what they, and like, I would say, this is a chance for us to sort of go like, okay, we've been broken down to scratch. Now let's build a base. What are the, you know. Reset opportunity. Let's read some articles about listening skills and conversation skills. Cause you go like, my conversation skills suck. And I go like, yeah, me too. You go like, what did you do? I, 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 I got a book. I, I, marriage. Here's a great one. I, I, there's Gottman. The Gottman has this book, the seven challenge, the seven uh, factors in a healthy marriage. I read that book. It was like, it was like marriage for dummies. <laughs> and you go like, but you're in, you're a relationship expert. I go like, yeah, but everything got thrown out of whack. You guys are too. You're great relational. I've been with you guys relational. But I'm telling you, this is a huge opportunity for us to go like, let's go back to the basics. Five good questions. You know, like um, build up our stamina. Go like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one phone call today. Or I'm gonna go 15. I'm gonna walk with somebody, and I'm gonna set. I'm gonna say I have to be back by 12 because I don't have the stamina. <laughs> and I'm just gonna go for 30 minutes with this person, and then next week it might be 35. Like I just think this is an opportunity to do a reset. I do too. Question. Thanks for that perspective. I like that. I do. I think it is an opportunity to kind of revisit and refresh. Um, even our own definitions of ourselves, but I'm curious, Bart, because your passion is uh, for people and for the human experience is so inspiring. And 
encouraging. And sometimes like I have a little resistance just because I'm like that, like maybe that's just Bart and maybe Bart is just enthusiastic for the human experience. And it's because we don't like, obviously you're giving a talk and you're like, you're giving the Bart at his, on his a game version of Bart. Right. So how do I kind of cultivate that enthusiasm for other people? Right. So like, cause sometimes I have a gravity to just, hunker down and to like, we're going to do what makes sense for us. And I'm not going to like make it my job to try to help everybody else connect. I have like, I have enough, I have four kids. I have my wife. I'm just trying to like stay in touch with a couple of buddies and to like try to go help another group of people get connected feels like hard. And so I'm curious, like, how do I cultivate that sense of love? Like that's a, that's a big hearted person. That's good. First of all, don't reduce love to deep, meaningful conversations. Like, mm. that's my shtick. That's probably your shtick, right? Like, if I'm going to go out there and do something in the world, I'm not going to cook a casserole. I'm not very good at that. And I'm not yeah. going to fix that person's car. And I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm not going to write a poem for them or a piece of music. I'm like, like I'm going to do this, what we're doing, right? Right. That's not, like, the, the question isn't how can you do this? The question is, what is it that you can do that creates a context or creates an opportunity for people to connect? So that sometimes a guy who organizes the, the little league or a woman who organizes the ballet program, it's like well, she's just back there with a spreadsheet ordering, um, you know, furniture or, or, or ballet slips. And I go, yeah, yeah. What she's really doing is, is she's setting the table for a bunch of kids to have an experience with a ballet teacher who's got that charisma thing that she doesn't have even. And so like, I think it's really important. Like loving the world is a team sport. That's why I'm glad that like, that's why I I don't like it when people leave the Christian church and they go, well, I don't need church anymore. And they don't come to a thing like East Lake or some other, like, I I, I don't know. I don't don't want to pejoratively say you're not Christian, but like, you know what you are, you're wacko. Yeah, for sure. That's a good definition. (laughs) But you got to have a team because to create a context requires somebody to set up the chairs, somebody else to cook the food, somebody else to clean it up, somebody to do the spreadsheet to plan it out, somebody to show up and be the charismatic guy in front that gives the talk. And like, I'm real glad to have that role sometimes, but let's not kid ourselves. There is no talk. There is no, like, like, you know, I am because we are. Like, it's, it's, and, and that's an old African Ubuntu kind of proverb, but it's true. And so I think it's really important not, when we're talking about getting energy for other people, not to reduce it to, like, I have to have conversational energy because not everybody's mm-hmm. going to have that. Okay? Yeah. But I, I, I'm going to tell you one little trick that was really useful to me, and it's been useful to some of the people I've worked with, is... And he said, you know, go to a high school girls basketball game where you don't know anybody and just go sit in the stands and pick a kid during warmups and focus your attention on that kid and say, I'm going to see this game through that kid. Maybe they sit on the bench the whole game. I don't know. But like you're with that kid and you look for their parents in the stands or if their parents aren't in the stands, you think about it and you just... And when that kid scores a basket or when they, like, you cheer for them, you cheer for the team, you cheer for that kid. Give them a name if you want to. And you go, like, come on, man. You spend an hour and a half that way. That's not going to actually change it. Like, yeah, it, it's a muscle, man. It's a muscle 
that you exercise in terms of like, I'm going to pick somebody and I'm going to focus some attention. And you go like, why do it in that scenario? Because there's no pressure there. He doesn't even know you're there. They don't even know what you're doing. I mean, I've done it. I've done that exercise. And then at the end of the game, I go down and I, I find that kid and I just go like, hey, great game. Or, hey, I love the way you cheer for your team or whatever it is. And, and the kid's like, whatever. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> they, they, don't care. they don't care about me. I'm doing it for myself. But the point is like, it's, it's about, it's just like when you exercise in the gym and you're lifting um, lead barbells or whatever, the iron barbells. The iron doesn't need to be lifted. It doesn't help the iron. Like you're not doing anything productive. You're building up muscles that you use if a car ever falls on your kid in the parking lot. Right? Yeah. Like, like, and so what I'm saying is like connect, caring about other people, it doesn't come natural. It comes naturally in certain situations, like have a baby, the endorsement will rush. Unless things are going wrong, mm -hmm. you're going to have a connection there. But in a lot of other situations, it's the muscle you got to exercise. It's the thing you got to practice. And uh, the other thing is, is that when you, when, if you did that, if you went to a game or a recital or whatever it is that you go to, and you did that, you focus on a person. Go to a grocery store, focus on, a, focus on a checker. Just sit there in the grocery store and watch that checker for 20 minutes and like focus on them. Not stalking if you like keep <laughs> checking, the, checking the thing. But what I'm saying is, is that when you do that, no matter what happens in that hour, on your way home, home you will look in the, in the rear view mirror of your car you will look at yourself and you'll go like that's a person who who invests time and energy in becoming a better lover and that identity i'm a person who cares about connections i'm a person who's committed to life i'm a person who's trying to do be more than i want to tomorrow than i was today that alone We'll change the game. You go like, wait, and you think then the next day, if an opportunity comes across my path, I'm more likely to take it or to see it. And I go like, yeah, because you'll have defined yourself as a person who cares or yeah. a person who at least cares about caring. Yeah. And so sometimes the act of trying to generate love generates an identity that ends up generating love. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I need to work out. I think is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> that muscle. Not, not. I'm, I'm saying I'm using your metaphor, um, and it sounds to me as if this has been a years and years of like fostering that genuine curiosity for other humans, and over time that starts to grow and grow and grow and creates enthusiasm and passion. So it's I'm it's a, super I'm inspiring. A I'm a hedgehog. I only got one gift. I only got one gift. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. This one thing, and I know you. I know we gotta go, um, but um, in my experience, smart people, um, capable people, talented people, um, a lot of times they know that like a meal does not appear without intentional effort. They know that like they won't get in shape unless they work out. They won't have a lot of money unless they they go out and. They know that like to. That, that virtually anything worth having requires some intentional effort. The one caveat is that, is that a lot of people think that good relationships are the birthright of good people. Mm -hmm. Even like, I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. I, I, I'm a caring person. Therefore, I will have good relationships. And in my experience, having good relationships is a craft like any other. And it requires practice and 
training and intentional effort and uh, 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 evaluation and then, you know, do like, oh, that didn't work out so well. Let me learn from that. Like it's, if you, if people thought more about friendship and loving kindness, the way they think about woodworking or baking, Mm. then Kristen, the world would be full of people and that were, that were, that were good friends in one way or another. And I would be out of business. As soon as people figure out that it ain't rocket science, that it's more like baking or archery, (laughs) we'll be in great shape. Well, and I appreciate the reminder, like it's a skill. You have to practice and even just, you know, with marriage or parenting or friendships to assume that you know what to do is very strange. Especially if you were raised by people that didn't have very good relationships. Yeah. You know, like some of the people in my office, I'll teach them some of the stuff and they'll go like, I feel like such an idiot that I didn't know. And I go like, where would you have learned this? Like, what, did you stay home from school when they were giving friendship lessons? And they go, (laughs) oh, they never gave friendship lessons. I know. And I'm like, they should have. Instead, they were teaching you a bunch of completely useless shit. They should have been teaching you how to balance your checkbook, how to change a tire, (laughs) and how to make a friend. Like, those are things you could use. And so, but but the thing is, is that the other, if you, like, effort alone won't get it. Like, if you don't know how to play the guitar, you can stay in your room with a guitar forever (laughs) and probably never figure it out. At some point, you've got to go, can somebody show me this? Can I yeah. pick, can I read a book? Like the idea that you're supposed to be able to summon up, like if you're a good person, you shouldn't need to ask for help in making good relationships. What a load of crap. Like, and so the thing is like, I, if I was in East Lake, I would look around and go like, who has good relationships? And I wouldn't go like, I want to be friends with that person. I would go, I would say, Hey, can I take you to lunch and pick your brains? Like, how do you, how does this work? Like, where did you meet these people? How, how do you, and like, I would just make myself a student of it and, and mm-hmm. not expect that you should be good at it just because you're a nice person. Yeah. We're all nice people, but I can't play guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my last thing that I wanted to ask you, and it's kind of a big one, but you said it at the end of your message, you said raising children who are full of hope, even though there's a lot to be afraid of. Yeah. Okay. How, how do you do that? <laughs> Just one random, just a side question. How do you do that? <laughs> I've got two thoughts that come right to my mind. Okay, good. One is the one I'm working on right now. And that is, I'm convinced that our brains and our emotional psyches and all that stuff evolved in an era when nobody knew more than 150 people and they all lived within a mile of them. Like we're tribal. Mm-hmm. Now we have access to knowing about floods in China and nuclear disasters in Japan and global warming and refugee crises. And and in fact, we think that it's moral of us to be aware of these things, to be global citizens. But I think that what's actually happening is we have access to so many people in so many situations and we're aware of so much going on around us. And that's before we get to the fictional people that we care about that we see in TV shows. because I'm really hurting over, over, over some people that don't exist right now. Um, I think it's too much. And so if I was gonna try to raise kids that had hope, 
I would sort of try to teach them a certain amount of digital discipline and, 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 and to watch their diet and go like, you know, you need to know something about the world, but you don't need to know everything about the world. And like, that's not a problem that we can have any impact on. So we're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about it, but we are going to spend a lot of time thinking about this other problem that we really can have an impact on. Like there's this lady who lives up the street and we could have an impact on her, or there's this kid at your school. Let's talk about the kids at school. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so I think in some ways it's about focus. Mm-hmm. If you want to raise hopeful kids, you can't allow them to see 12 billion problems they can't solve. You have to be like, well, what about me? And I'm like, yeah, you would probably be more hopeful if you did the same. So I think it's really important <laughs> to narrow your focus. Um, and that requires a lot of discipline. Um, so that, 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 would, that would probably be like one of the things I would say about raising hopeful kids. And I, I think that the other thing is, it is we often talk about kids' self-esteem. And, um, and I think it's really important. That I learned this from, my, my, I have a sister-in-law who's related to something called positive discipline. And there's a whole book on positive discipline. It's a really cool concept. But one of the things that they teach is they go like, when a kid does something well, they're not just like, good job, or you're amazing. Um, they're like, go like, I like the way you didn't give up when you didn't get it the first time. Like, I like that thing you did. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to get more specific. And you don't just say, you're a great kid. You're awesome. You want to say, like, you know what? You really listen well. I like that way you listen. Because, and, and you're like, that's about building kids up so that they have, like, a realistic self-esteem rather than, like, mm-hmm. you're the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, it's about focusing kids on, like, this is your superpower. Not everybody, you can't do some things. And we'll, you, you'll figure that out for yourself. But this is something that you do kind of remarkable and better than other people. Like you write really beautiful. And, and really giving kids a sense of not just I should help other people, but like this is what you've got. Like, and sometimes in a family, you go like, as a family, we're good at this. Like we do this well. Like as a team, that guy came over to dinner and he left here. He floated out of here, that old man. Like, and you guys were part of, you know, I I went to a friend's house the other night with my three-year-old, my two two and a half-year-old granddaughter and his nine-year-old and 12-year-old just took her away from us. And they entertained her the whole night while we talked to her parents. And she came back just floating on a a balloon. Big kids love it. And, you know, I I said, I said him the next week. I said, boy, that was amazing. He said, oh yeah. He said, so we sat down with the kids afterwards and just said, that was so cool. Like you guys, you guys, sh- I mean, you're shaping that little girl's sense of yourself, but also like that was a gift to us. And like, you know, and, I mean, what, a- so I think a big part of how you raise hopeful kids is you don't convince them that the world is a safe place. Cause it's not, you convince them that they're good sailors. Mm. So it's not like there's not going to be any storms out there. There's going to be storms out there. Mm. You know, but like, you know what? You're a good sailor. And, 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 and you know what? We've got a good boat here together. Like we're in this together. Like, and I'm behind. And like, so the whole thing, like I'm behind you. I'm behind you. That's why you can take a chance and try to love that kid. Because if that kid rejects you, you can come home and I'll be here. And so it's a, in a sense of sort yeah. of teaching your children, like we as a family are here to empower each other to not only experience life for ourselves, but also to touch other people in different ways. And you can take chances out there because of what we've got here. Mm. And 
you should try this and you shouldn't try this because you're really not patient with people in, in math. You're, you're very impatient. And so no, you shouldn't go to the tutoring program. But yes, <laughs> you, you can go and be part of the, the community cleanup brigade because you, you, you're just got energy, boundless energy for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think so part of it is like narrowing their focus. And part of them is, is being clear with them about what you expect from them and what you think they're good at in this realm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's praising kids who get A's in school. But like we need to, we need to become more attentive to like, wow, that was a thoughtful question, or wow, that was that was a really good. You're a good hugger, and that old lady really liked that hug. Yeah. So okay, I talk way too much. No, <laughs> I love it. I, well, it that example part, that example that you just provided is similar to kind of how I think you wrapped the talk too, which is essentially challenging us to evaluate our metrics, evaluate how we keep score for living well, right? Uh, so we, we keep score financially, we keep score career-wise, we keep score health-wise, but your, the, the, the depth of relationship and our ability, not just to have personal relationships that are positive, but to help other people have positive relationships, I think it's just a fantastic critique and inspiration motivation for us to, to live meaningfully so this example with children i think is, is another way like even as i'm evaluating how i parent um to be careful not just to choose really simple metrics binary metrics right you either passed the test or you didn't um to have a little bit more depth to my metrics i think is what you're speaking to yeah yeah that's great that's a great way of saying it. Hey, it's awesome. It's funny. Like I know this is supposed to be a conversation and, and, and you're talking to a reforming Baptist preacher. And so you're just like, yeah, conversations like we say hello and Bart talk for half an hour. It's great. That. Like, but that's what just, we want to do. We want to hear, the goal. we want to hear more <laughs> from you because we get to talk to each other and he's like, gets to hear from us often. So just yeah. the chance to hear more from you is great. So thank you. Yeah. Hey, is one of those fictional characters that you care a lot about Ted Lasso? Because you spoke about Ted Lasso, and I feel like he's kind of like. I was know. very. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm. Well, actually, the truth is, I'm really worried about Rebecca and Sam because I get I, it. I, I think that relationship could actually be a really beautiful thing, but it has to be temporary because it's not appropriate for somebody that right. I don't think it'll work long-term, but I think they could really do something for each other. And I don't want to see that get messed up. Um, so yes, I, I have a little anxiety. Um, I, love them. I love them. You guys, I don't, I haven't watched it. Oh, Kristen, if you want, if you want to experience um, somebody who is changing the game on how they keep score for life, Ted Lasso is a great example of that. So Kristen, remember how we talked about reframing? Like we, we need to build this from the, we need to build this from the ground up. A great, a great base layer for you. A great commitment would be to watch that last one. It's a huge so many, commitment. I have like so many subscriptions though. I can't, how many different ways are there to watch shows? Here's and thing, I, there's like yes. one that I can't yes. and it's Ted Lasso. You can get a week long free <laughs> subscription to Apple TV. You can. <laughs> and you can watch the whole show. Binge it night, They're short, they're half hour. Like, seriously, this is how I did it the first time through. And, and, then, and then I decided to give up, like, like uh, you know, eating so that I could. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm going to, like, month. I'm going to, like, four ninety nine subscription myself into debt. Oh, <laughs> for, for sure. Shows. For sure. 
And Quit something like, else, Kristen. I'm telling you. Okay. This, like, you remember in the Matrix where, where, where he says, like, you are the one? Yeah. Ted Lasso? Okay. 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 <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, Bart, for your time. This is thank awesome. Thanks, Bart. Love, love, love. And I, next time, in, 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 when I used to work in Israel, they used to say, next time, next year in Jerusalem. Like, that's what the Jews always say at Passover, like, next year in Jerusalem. And what I would say is, like, next time in person. In person. I like it. I, I like know. it. Right. Cool. You thank you, Bart. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.